Yes, yes. Welcome. Welcome once again to the podcast, the Young Entrepreneur Mindset Podcast, the podcast that was made for you folks. Listen, um, I'm your host, Angel, and I am honored and thrilled to be here again. Another great episode. It's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, a lot of great uh, story information, uh, something that I think it's going to be an episode that many people are going to remember for a long, long time. That's right, man. Listen, I'm honored to be here. I'm blessed. I'm thankful. And I'm, I'm glad that you guys that are tuning in right now on whether you're on Facebook, please share this content. Uh, comment down below because uh, my next guest here, man, we have we have something powerful, man. And I want everyone to to be able to enjoy this this episode. So if you're on YouTube, please subscribe, like the channel. Uh, give me a comment if you're on Instagram, Twitter, all the social media platforms. Man, please leave me a comment, share this story, man, share this episode, because listen, I know that what we have here today is something that God has put together, and he separated this day to uh, for many people that, uh, that want to listen to this type of story, and, and many others that I'm going to have on this uh, podcast, on this platform, are going to be stories that are be, going to be uh, impacting uh, many lives. So I hope you open your heart, I hope you open your mind, because today... Uh, it's going to be special. Just like uh, many, many guests that I have on here, all of my guests are special. And I'm honored to have every one of you who support this podcast and show your love and, and always have me on prayers and, and give me that motivation to keep going, man. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for so many things that uh, 2021 has brought throughout this year. I hope you feel the same way too. Blessings to all of you. And let's go ahead and get this show going. So today I have a special guest. Um, have you seen in the post? Uh, his name is Dejon Talks uh, from Haiti. Um, he was referred to a good from a, a friend of mine, uh, Laura Joinville, that she's also been on this uh, podcast, and she's also from Haiti as well. So some great Haitians that are friends that I have been able to connect with, and that is a blessing. Um, before I bring him on, though, I do uh, want to let you guys know that this man delivers some very inspirational speaking. Um, he's a motivational speaker. He's a host. Uh, he he just told me that today has been a busy schedule, man. He's been talking to some very brilliant, uh, uh, very busy people. So this guy has a busy schedule, man. And today, just alone, just for him being on this show, is an honor and privilege uh, for me to have him here. So he's going to be talking about his story. And I want his story to be heard from him, you know, the way it should be. It should be something that I want him to be. We could read it. A book we could read someone's story, but when you actually have that person live and in color, right, that they could share their story uh, their way, that they could talk it how they want it to be heard. And when I hear his story, not only how he overcame adversity and how he became and he's he's become an elite entrepreneur, but this man has businesses. This guy is is a motivational speaker. He, he's everything. He's a whole package all in one. But I'm very uh, excited to hear his story and how he says it. So, but before I bring him on, I want you to watch this short clip that uh, is on his YouTube channel. So, listen to this, and we'll be bringing him in soon. Thank you. When I was born, they told me I would never walk. By the time I was six, I was right. By the time I was six and a half, I was a Haitian refugee on the run for my life. I spent three days in prison in Cuba. By the time I was seven, I was a refugee in a country that I didn't even know. By age 13, I was stabbed twice, shot twice. By age 15, I was homeless, sleeping under bridges and eating out of trash cans. By age 27, I was facing 50 years in prison. Does this story sound like yours? Does this story sound like somebody that you may know? My name is Dijon Talks. I'm a motivational speaker, life coach, and host. I would love to be part of your next event. Well, there it is, folks, man. Listen, this man has a wonderful story. I want you guys to listen closely to everything that he's been through. And it's not just, like I said, and it's not what he's been through only. is how he overcame it. And today, he's inspiring many people, and he's changing many lives. So let's go ahead and welcome Dijon Talks to the show. Thank you, Dijon. How are you doing, sir? Dijon, can you hear me? You check the mic there? I hear you. This is what happens when we go live. You hear me, Dijon? 
I give him a second while he adjusts his mic. Oh, okay. Now it's on mute. There you go. There you go. Now. Can you hear me? Yeah. There we go. Yes, sir. You can. I can hear you. Well, you, you, let me unmute the mic. All right. All right. Hold on, guys. Give me one second. See, these are the challenges that you go through when some, when something wants to be uh, heard and said. We have always got to go through some obstacles here, so bear with us. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You did it, John? Microphone check, one, two, one, two. I hope you guys can hear me. If anybody out there, let me see, let me check the comments. Uh, let me know if you could, uh, if you guys could hear me. Thank you to everyone who's uh, currently connected. Concepcion, hola, saludos, gracias por conectar. Dijon, you hear me? Hold on, because I can see him. Not sure if you guys can hear me, but if you can yeah. hear me. Yeah, I can hear I you. Can you hear me? or hear Mr. Angel. Okay, hold on. Hold on one second, sir. Hold on. Now, let's see. All right, I'm trying to connect with him one more time. Right before we went live, he was able to To see me, can't see or hear you in the link, see you on fake, but not on. All right. Dijon, try to go back out of the link and go back in. See if you'll go out. Try to go all the way back out. Let me see here. Hold on. Let me try. I'm trying to message him. All right. All right. I can see you. Can you see me? Okay, he's going to log out. That's what I told him to do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please bear with us as we are having technicals. I can hear both of you. I know. Michael Jeter, I got in the house. Jeter, the deleter. That's right, man, folks. If you need a, a credit a fix, man, look up that guy right there. Michael, Jamal, Jeter. Jeter, the deleter. Uh, all right. Thank you, Michael. Let's see. All right, Dijon, talk to me. I can hear you. I can hear you and see you now. All right. Amen. Glory to God. Let's go. Let's you, get the show on the road, baby. You know there's always challenges when two men of God are trying to step in a room. That's what it is, man. That's you what really it is. Know. They're trying to see if they're tr we're going to give up. I'm like, okay, no, we can't. Nah. No, 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 no. That's not in our nature. That's right. <laughs> Mitchell DeJohn talks, man. Absolutely. I, 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 that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me when these uh, things happen. So we are ready, man. DeJohn talks. Listen, um, like like uh, I just played that video, man. Uh, I saw that video. Uh, and, man, you know, your, your story, listen, I, I, I like to – I have your uh, website here, and – it says, I like the word that says that you've been through this uh, adversity that most people do not experience in three lifetimes. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, it's not just about uh, your story, how what you went through as a childhood, which I want you to take us through that as, as you want to say it. But it's how you overcome that adversity. And that's why I, I you know, titled this uh, Overcoming That Adversity um, and Becoming an Elite Entrepreneur. So that's what I want to focus on tonight. So. Dijon, what I, I want to start with your story. So go ahead and take us through that, even though it's on your website. But how do you tell your story to the people that you want to inspire? Uh, well, first of all, I want to give you, uh, um, give my roses while I'm still able. So I first want to say thank you for allowing me on your platform and to everybody in the audience. Um, thank you guys for engaging with us and yes. giving us the time of day. Uh, we could be doing anything on a Friday night, but we're here listening. So we want to make sure we say thank you to the audience. 
Amen. Um, the the clip that you saw on my website, uh, as much as, as it sounds like a, it's a heavy load of uh, trials and tribulations, um, it probably is only a fifth of what my life really looks like. Okay. Um, so if, if I were to say, hey, here's my story, I think, um, like the Bible says, I don't think we have enough pages <laughs> yeah. um, in tonight's episode to really break it down. But I'll give you the highlights. Right? I'll give you the skeleton and then over a lifetime, we can fill in the meat, the, the aspects of it, right? Absolutely. Um, so in, in retrospect, my life was, um, when I'm the only boy. I have seven sisters. I'm the okay. only boy, right? So I And I'm the seventh child, so you already know what my favorite number is, right? That's right. <laughs> exactly, right? So I, I was born into that number. Um, but I was born in a beautiful island called Haiti. Um, it, it doesn't look so beautiful now in the news, but I promise you it is. Um, yeah. And then when I was born, you know, my, my, my parents were quite excited. They were having their first boy. And then um, the doctor comes and give him such wonderful news saying your son would never walk. Right. Wow. Now, imagine that. Right. You know, you're on your seventh try. You finally get a boy. And then the, the very first news you hear is this kid's never going to walk from the waist down. Nothing worked. I still have um, issues in my hips. And then and between my knees, there's nothing in between my knees, just bone on bone. Um, wow. So, you know, doing squats and going upstairs and those type of things, they're not so pleasant to me. You know, okay. they're not they're not pleasant. It's a painful process. It's kind of like when Paul says, you know, he had that um, that pain, that thorn in his side. Yeah. That won't take away. So God can remind him. I, I have a few thorns. So I, I understand that uh, illustration quite well. Quite wow. Well. Um, so, you know, I, I was never supposed to walk um, by the grace of God. At three years old, God had different plans for what man spoke into my life. Um, and it, there's a difference between what man speaks and what God speaks. And God says he creates a new thing daily. So what didn't exist in 1984 and 1987, it did. Mm. Right. So God created a new thing. Um I wish I could give credit to a medical practice, but it was a, it was a more miraculous one. Um, by the grace of God, at three years old, without telling the full details, I walked. Um, it may not be a perfect walk, <laughs> but but it was a walk. Um, yeah. And I've been practicing it for the past 34 odd years. I'm 37 now, but I walk um, by the grace of God. Amen. Um, at age six, um, I was right by two women when I was six years old. Um, at age six and a half, my dad was heavily um, involved in politics. He was a military man, a very rough, rough military man. And he was also a very good artist. So he was involved with the president of Haiti at the time, President Bertrand Aristide. Um, and then the guy that overthrew the country, for those that know a little bit about Haitian history, in the late 80s, early 90s, was a guy by the name of General Silas, um, Raul Silas. Um, he, he overthrew the country, kicked Aristide out. Aristide came here begging Clinton for some assistance. And then, um, well, that guy, the general that overthrew the country, well, he was real close to the family and he was in love with my mother. And I could remember one particular time he came to our house and then he brought me a toy gun. My dad took the gun, shoved it back in his face, said, don't give my son no gun. And then Sidious looked at my mother and then he said to my mother, how could you give such an ugly guy such beautiful children? Now, um, you know, we, we talk about color discrimination all the time in the U.S., right? We're discriminated right. Right. We, we talk about either you're Caucasian or you're not. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's the line, right? That's the line. Yeah. You know, here we can make that line. You're brown, black. Okay, we're, we're together. And then you got the other side. Well, in the brown and black countries, we still have colorism for some reason. It, it's just, it's mind-bottling, but we have. Right. Right. If you're a parallel, you're lighter skin, hey, whatever. Well, my mom was a, a white Greek-Haitian woman. She's half Greek, half Haitian. And Raul is a white Haitian man. And my dad was a very dark, dark man. Um, so when they looked at darkness, they looked at ugliness. You understand? Um, right. So my dad, when he once said I made that statement, my dad being uh, the the rough guy, he was he went inside, grabbed a machete, and put it at his throat. Um, and then Sidious being now this guy is the general that runs a whole country, and he put a he put a machete at his throat. Sidious told him you would regret that. <laughs> wow. He said you would regret that. He came back that night with thirteen army trucks, a whole bunch of men, and he lit up our house on fire. He lit wow. up that house on fire. Me, my mom, and my sisters were under a bed. And uh, my mom is screaming. I had two sisters with me at the time with my mom. They're screaming. And um, I'm pissing and I'm shitting. They're screaming and I'm, I'm, doing the other, I'm doing the other two for them, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm about six and a half at the time. And um, my dad is outside. He just went outside, stood in front of the house. I could hear him screaming. If anybody comes in this yard, somebody's going to die. He didn't go out there with no guns, no nothing, just a machete. Shots started ringing through the house, and then before you know it, it was utter silence. 
I pulled myself from my mother and I ran outside to see if this man I call dad was still alive. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a daddy's boy. I've been a daddy's boy since I was born. I'm a dad. I know there's mama's boys out there. Sorry to you guys, but I'm a daddy's boy. <laughs> and, um, this man was still standing, but the house was lit up on fire. And I couldn't tell you how this man was standing, but uh, by the grace of God, um, I call it divine protection. He was yeah. standing. He was standing. So him and a, a few guys from the local neighborhood, about 13 of them, formulated a plan. They built a little raft. I think I sent you the picture of me coming here on a boat. I had sent you the picture of me. That's the real article in 1992. Oh, okay. That's the real, that's actually that's a real. real article in 1992, New York Times and Miami Herald of me on a boat coming to the United States. Um, wow. So they formulated a plan. They built a little boat. We were supposed to escape Haiti. And... Um, my mother and my sisters got left behind after some conflicts. We were on the ocean for three days, no food, no water. Finally, the National Guards caught us in the ocean. That's that picture wow. that you saw, boom, 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 all of yeah. that. That's when we had those policies of wet foot, dry foot, where Cubans were allowed to come, but everybody else, you're getting sent back. Sent back. <laughs> you're, uh -huh. you're not making it. You didn't make it to land. <laughs> yeah. And what that means, wow. you don't make it to land, you got to go back. Well, we didn't make it to land. Um, so there was 13 of us on the boat. Um, we plead for our cases to try to get what we call political asylum. Okay. Uh, and then they deported us to Guantanamo Bay prison in Cuba. <laughs> they took us to Cuba. I spent 30 days in prison in Cuba for the first 20, what, I think for the first two, three weeks of it, I was in a prison cell by myself until towards the last week where I kept screaming for my name. And I said, there's somebody else with my name here. Cause I'm a junior. Okay. And then they finally got it translated to try to figure out what I was saying. And they found my father in the camp because, you know, there's no real form of documentation in the camp. Yeah. You know, it's not like, it's not like going to an office with your name. That yeah. is, there's no real documentation. The computer. Yeah. Listen, they putting you, it was none of that back then. Think about it. Right. So they're putting you there so they could deport you back. They don't right. care how, what your name is. They just want you there. They're going to house you. And then when they come to get you, Send you back, and you're screaming your lungs out. Like I'm screaming my lungs out, but it don't mean anything because guess what? Yeah. I could be asking for this guy all the time, but where is this guy? Who is this guy in this huge cat? Wow! Right. So, um, finally, towards the last week, they put me and my father together uh, in our own cell, and then the boat came back. At that time, they had about 250 Haitian migrants they were storing for deportation. We were part of that 250, besides the 13 of us that was on the boat. On the way back. Um, when they picked us up, Al Sharpton was actually on our boat. <laughs> um, really? But, uh, yeah, man. It's in the, it's in the uh, article. I'll send you the yeah. article. Okay. And then uh, my dad, again, being the, 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 the type of character he is, he stood in front of the, um, in front of those Marines and the National Guards, and he said, and this is what the news article say. I can't give credit to my head, my own memory. I'm just basing it off, off the article. Right. And he, he, he said, um, Dejan Mertil Sr. said, blah, blah. And he said, if you're going to take us back, you might as well line us up yourself and shoot us right now. That's what my dad said. Wow. <laughs> now, you, you just picked up 250 migrants. And you're on a boat. Man, all guns were drawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, all guns were drawn because you have to, th you have to think of an uproar, right? Not that I'm older, I understand these things, but you have to think of an uproar, a right. possible coup d'etat, you know, you got to think about these things. So, you know, all guns were drawn, fire holes were ready, and they were ready to unleash. Um, Bob Marley playing in the background. It's like the perfect scenery, right, for a movie, yeah. right? Perfect scenery. Yeah. And then um, I, my dad kept speaking, and my dad said, you promised us political asylum. So I guess, I don't know what kind of conversation my dad had with them, prior to us being put in Guantanamo Bay. But I guess uh, out of the 13 of us, seven of us um, were granted what we call political asylum in fear of our life if we went back. Okay. The rest of us weren't. So before, so they took the seven of us. They finally found the paperwork. They moved us to the back of the ship while they deported the other rest of uh, the 250 Haitians. Um, at age six and a half, I got to see 250 Haitian people executed by the Haitian army. Wow. Then I got put on one of those big old U.S. planes, you know, um, military planes. Yeah. Just here to, um, you know, um, Chrome Avenue in Miami, which is where they had all the refugee camps, where, where, where the Chrome is at and all of that stuff. But back then there wasn't a huge building. There was just tents. Um, one guy, he had a brother that lived here in the United States. He called his brother in law Haiti. Back then they didn't have the strict rule of you have to show that you're financially capable of housing somebody. Now there is uh, because yeah. there's, there's such an influx of immigrants. So now there is. Uh, but back then, there was that issue. That rule wasn't a rule. So he took all of us in: his brother, 
the rest of six of us and me, we're living in a one-bedroom efficiency with him, his wife, and two kids, and all of us. Wow. <laughs> um, and the story progresses. That was the transition. The story progresses. I, I lived the life of a Haitian in Miami. And I don't know how well you know about Haitians in Miami in the late 80s, early 90s. It was not a beautiful picture. Okay. Um, you know, the mass media, um, Clinton made a broad statement saying Haitians brought AIDS to the United States. Wow. So imagine what that did for us. Like, this is public news. This is not yeah, like yeah, you know, is, local, yeah. we talk and joke in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. president of a country. And then you have the other president of that country that's coming to ask you for his help. And this is the news that you're spreading. This is the wow. same jargon that Trump just recently recited. Um, right. Recently. Um, so when you hear a lot of this jargon, it's just recycled material over and over, passed down. Okay. Um, so that made it very hard to live in this country. Um, and then Black Americans, for some again, colorism. Black Americans, for some reason, did not like Haitians a lot. I don't know why, but they just were not a fan of us. Don't know what beef took place, but I came into yeah. it. So by the time I was 15, I was stabbed twice, shot three times. Uh, by the time I was 15, I was homeless, eating out of trash cans, sleeping under a bridge. By the time I was 17, I was prom king, graduating high school with a 3.8 GPA and have three scholarships to college. And by the time I was 27, I'm back on it again. I'm facing 50 years in prison, and now I'm sitting here talking to you and having the luxury of having this conversation. <laughs> Wow. Broad, right? And in between yeah. that skeleton, um, if I really give you like a day-to-day -day activity of my life, uh, you'll see more, a lot more guns pointing at my head. You see a lot more rough nights. You see uh, a lot more bad decisions and good decisions. You see a lot a lot of mentorship. Uh, you, you'll see a lot of struggle. You'll see breaking into churches to sleep. you see breaking into church vans to sleep. you see breaking into my high school just to get something to eat. Um, yeah. So I, I just give you the skeleton, but there's a lot of feelings right. that was in between that skeleton. No, this is in the U.S. This is in Miami? Where you in yeah, this is the U.S., yeah. Between yeah. Um, Miami and Palm Beach County, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you you would think that, you know, you're in a third world country or something, but no, you're actually... I mean, uh, you know, um, certain sectors of the parts of the U.S. you live in, you feel like you're in a third world country, right? Exactly. When we think about, when we think about Detroit, when we think about um, Chicago, when we Chicago, think about yeah. Compton, when we think about New York, right? Yeah. Yeah, these are U.S., <laughs> but um, yeah. think about New Orleans, right? New Orleans, like, think about poverty level. When we think about certain parts of Georgia, we're living in the U.S., but not everybody's experiencing the opportunity of the U.S., right? Exactly. So the community that you're, you're implanted in has a huge impact on your visual process of what you think success will be or your level of success. Um, your exposure to be able to see beyond your environment has a huge, huge impact on your success, whether you accept it or not, because what you're being filtered in is only what you're going to produce. One thing right. I used to say a lot, Angel, when I was growing up is, when I speak to younger kids like me, I said the highest level of education I ever saw was the mechanic, the pimp, and the gangster. And I used to end it with, which one is you? I never saw somebody dressed in a suit. I never mm -hmm. saw a doctor. I never saw a lawyer. I never saw an engineer. I never saw a senator. I never even heard of these words. Yeah. These were foreign concepts to me, right? My right. scope was if I got out of the hood or I got out of middle school or high school, I did great with my life. And there was no plan. And nobody set a plan or a statue after that until I left my community. And I saw different. I saw black and brown people in big houses driving Mercedes. I thought that was only for the movies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't think it was real. It was not real on my block. I didn't <clears> think it was real. I saw people in suits. I'm like, what is this? Why are we in suits? Why are we living in these big houses? I, I, I didn't think this was real. Real. But when yeah. I got exposed to it, I built a hunger for it. Mm. You, you see now what I'm saying? Because I built yeah. a hunger for it. Now, I knew it was possible. So there was a level of possibility that was not exposed to me that wasn't there before. So my mind was just like, oh, I want that. <laughs> you know, okay. I don't know how to get it, but I, I want it. But I want it the right way, but I want it. That's what's interesting. That, and that was my next question, because now that you go and you've, you know, you've gone through all that, right? Yeah. It's like, when was that moment, which I, I know you're, you're talking about that now, you know, when was that moment, how you were exposed? And you're, and you're saying that right now. So. Once you're exposed to that and you see that and say, okay, I want to do that, right? Like, what, what was that mindset, right? Obviously, with the name of the podcast, what was that mindset? When did it click that you said, you know what, I'm going to change this and I'm just going to do it? And how did you start doing it? I think um, that it really didn't start happening. I have to give cadence to my firstborn child, right? Okay. Uh, although I was exposed to it, but I didn't know how to get it okay. right so it's one thing to be exposed to something 
it's another thing to have the desire and the drive to go get it because you don't know how. Right. Um, um, even though I was exposed to it all throughout my high school career, um, even when I got those scholarships to go to college, I was still battling a, a certain level of homelessness. I was still battling a certain level of poverty. I was I was on survival mode, right? So right. I was not living life. I was surviving day after day after day. So in order to achieve certain things, you have to get to a certain mindset where you stop surviving and you can actually focus and get there. My firstborn son took place when I was 22 years old. I had my firstborn child. Um, I remember at that time in West Palm Beach, um, West Palm had this ideology where they wanted to be known more than the spoiled rich kids, right? They wanted to be known as like they were gangsters. Like they were tired of hearing about New York and Cali and Miami. They were tired of it. They wanted to be gangsters. So they, they created a concept where they started robbing and killing more people than anybody in the United States to the point where they got public headlines in 2006, 7, 8, where they were known as West Nile, mm. right? They were known not West Palm, but they were known as West And they had the highest murder capital rate per the country. Wow. They achieved their goals. I mean, what a goal to achieve, right? <laughs> yeah. They achieved their goals, um, you know, and uh, you, you saw them every day on Gangland. You saw them on the TV. Every day on Fox News or some news station, you see somebody getting shot up on I-95 or in front of a motel. And a lot of those people were people that I was acquaintance with that I seen every single day, whether I went to church with them or school with them. I, these were people that were really close to me. Yeah. When I had my firstborn son, we went to a car dealership, CarMax, and then I told my son, pick a car. This little sucker went to go pick the biggest car on the block. <laughs> he went to go pick an expedition. At that time, gas was like almost $4 a gallon. Right, right. He picked an expedition. Like, man, I think, oh, Jesus. I bought the expedition. Dumb daddy, right? Dumb daddy right. moves. Don't do don't let your kids pick your cars for you. Dumb daddy moves. No. I bought the expedition, and I remember one time I'm driving by a motel on Lantana, which was called the Motel 8, where a lot of those guys used to hang. And that's where a lot of those shootings and murders used to take place. Wow. And all that took place in my head was, what if I'm in the wrong place, wrong time? My son's in the backseat. Somebody sees me and says, oh, that was that guy that was with him. And they shoot up my car. And my son gets shot for a misunderstanding. I couldn't rationalize that, right? You know, like emotionally, you're a father, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm one of them soft dads. I'm rough on the outside, but I'm a soft dad, right? So yeah, I too. couldn't rationalize that. And that built a hunger in me to just be somebody that I, I just, I, I was never was, but I wanted to be. I didn't want to be in that environment no more. I didn't want to be mistaken of identity. I, I didn't want an accident to happen. Or I didn't want my sins to fall on my, my kids. You know, I know sometimes we don't think of our sins falling on our kids, but the Bible says that. <laughs> the Bible yeah. says that. The Bible says, yeah. hey, you know, what our, what we do as parents, your kids are going to pay for that. You yeah. know, I didn't want that burden to fall on my kids. Wow. So I had to make a decision. Uh, so I, I really got um, focused on my education. I really got focused on seeking out mentors that could help me become a better person. I really got focused on, well, how do I do this? I got, I, I let go of the pride of, thinking I can do everything. And I started asking for help. Yeah, um, I had so much pride because growing up, the people that were supposed to be the closest to me were the people that let me down. Uh, you know, the people that were supposed to love me was the people that that, that watched me starve. So I had a, such a high level of pride and hate. I mean, I do mean a high level of hate. So I, I had to do it all on my own. That was my mindset. Like, if I didn't get it done, I did it on my own all this time. If I, if I couldn't feed myself, nobody was going to feed me. If I couldn't clothe myself, nobody was going to clothe me. If I couldn't um, take a shower, nobody was going to do it for me. So I had that high level of pride and anger and hate in me. Yeah, I had to let that go. Um, I had to be humbled uh, because until we let go of those those pains, that pride, yeah. that hurt, that growth won't never take place. And you know, you can't receive with closed fists. <laughs> I no. use my fist really well, yeah. but that's only used for destruction. That's right. I can't receive anything from God with closed fists. I had to learn to let go in order wow. for God to bless me with the people, the people, even though I, I didn't care for people, but for him to bless me with the people yeah. that were going to help me transition from every avenue that I was going to be facing from that day forward. 
Wow, man, that's incredible. And I know God had to soften your heart too, because like you said, you know, you, you have that that fist, but the yeah. same way you have that fist is the way your heart is too. Yeah, you have that hard, that rock. It was hard, man. It was you know? stone. It's stone. Yeah, that's why it was biblical too, where God had to change someone's heart from stone to to Pharaoh. Yeah, he, he he had to change Pharaoh's heart um, yeah. because Pharaoh Pharaoh would not let his people go, man. Pharaoh no. was like, no, nah, I don't think so, champ. I got free labor here. I know. You mean let my free labor, free labor? I'm like a king, you know, man. Free labor? I've had this free labor for 400 years. Yeah. Let it go now. No way. God uh -huh. said, okay, no problem. Let me get your firstborn. See, they go back to that example. There you what go. What does God take away from him? His first His son. firstborn. His firstborn. Because he wouldn't let go. I, I didn't want to be Pharaoh. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I didn't want those results. I saw what those results get. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't like wow. those results. You know, if I was dealing with that same God, he says yesterday, today, and forever. I'm like, wait, so that means that same application can apply? No, I didn't the want same. those results. Yeah, I wow. didn't want those results. So this John, so then you learn to let go, you know, and now you're, when, when, when is it that you actually start seeing the results that you wanted like you started seeing that you're that that keynote speaker you're you're going down the right avenue 2013 i i got involved with what we call toastmasters okay uh, because people always told me man you're a prolific speaker you have the gift of gab you know you you're a people person hey you can be anywhere you talk to the racist person you talk to the muslim person you talk to the atheist you talk i do i talk to everybody yeah. i don't care if you're atheist i mean your like preference yeah, your preference doesn't change your heart or your character, right? It just means really? you you have a different point of view in certain aspects of life for me. But that doesn't make you a bad person because if that's the case, then we're all bad people, right? Exactly. Yeah. We're yeah. All bad people, right? I mean, Pretty there's much. no good because the Bible said none are good. None is good. Nobody good. None is good. So we're all bad. Why you call me good? Yeah. Exactly, right? So um and then I've been um, at 19, I got exposed to poetry and, and you know, I, I grew up listening to Tupac now as Biggie and all that stuff. So I love yeah. Tupac because he was a prolific um, poet. And I just, yeah. I try to be the next Tupac. Every, every one of my poems sounded like Tupac, yeah. but, but I was really good at it. I was really, okay. really, really good at it. I performed on some big stages at a young age. I was really good at it. But then when I joined Toastmasters, they structured me. Like literally structured me. I used to say, um, 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 okay. yeah. you know, you know, you know, after every sentence. Right? Yeah. Because I was trying to gather my thoughts and I didn't know how to use transitional words. Um, it's not that the, the language wasn't there, but it lacked, you know, some, some dedication. It, it lacked some principles. Right. And when you're giving a speech and every second you do an um, somebody counting. And you have an all counter that's counting how many times you do this, how many times you pause, how many times you scratch your hands, how many times you do this. All of yeah. the things that you don't pay attention to. But then I started excelling. We had debates um, for three years straight. I was number one in debate champion. <laughs> I won first place three years. Uh, wow. Then I, I, I take a chance at doing business pitch competitions. And then I would win. I won first place at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Like Bill and Melinda Gates, that's huge. Wow. I won first place at the FIU startup. Then they sent me to South by Southwest in Texas, which is the biggest business tech in the world. And they said, wow. go on stage. Who, this little kid? This little <laughs> kid right here? Right? And then it was more so not what I saw in myself, but what people saw in me. A lot of the times we're our biggest critic. And a lot of the times because in our immediate family, nobody ever saw a value in us. So we lacked the value in ourselves. Okay. It was strangers. And still to today. And still to today, this has remained my truth. Strangers see more of a value in my story. This is why I'm on your platform today. Yeah. More of a value in me and my story than family or anybody close to me. Still to today. Mm -hmm. Still to today. It is strangers that say, man, you, you can do this. And they say, well, all right, go do this or try this or try that or try that. And you know, I've, I've always been that, that, that bold character, charismatic character. I'll go and yeah. I'll jump. I'll take I'll take a leap of faith, you know. <laughs> yeah, faith, right? I'll take a uh -huh. leap of faith. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take that leap of faith, and um, those leaps of faith have been very um, beneficial. Um, yeah. But it's because of people that saw potential in me, and they expound on it. Okay. They didn't just see it and then hated on me because of it, you yeah. know. Because there's there's that level of life too where people they hate on you because of a gift that you may have and you're not understanding that that gift is not even for you. It's for them. Yeah. <laughs> you're blessed with the gift to bless them, but they don't understand it. So they hate on it. Uh, but people that saw my gift actually expounded on it verbally and 
they pushed me. Right. And I do mean they pushed me at the highest level. The highest level. Anybody today, if anybody knows my name today, it's because of the people that saw something in me that I could not see in myself and was on my weakest moments. And they refused to stop pushing me to greatness. So I'm grateful for that small community of people that believe in me when I couldn't even believe in myself. Exactly. It's like God put the right people to get you where you need to be. Always. It's always been that, man. It's always, I'm very grateful for them. Always been that way. Amen. Listen, brother. And so I I see this shirt because I see the shirt and the hat. Now you also have a brand, your brand. Talk to us about that. Restored. Oh man, this is is my favorite brand in the world, man. That's awesome. I love that. You, did it's, you design that yourself? Yes, sir. Everything I have, I designed. The Dijon Talks wow. logo, the Restored logo, all of this is designed. I got you. Whenever you need some work, let send it my way. Absolutely, man. And I got your website there. So, guys, visit that website and check out. So, talk to us about Restored, that, that yeah. brand. So, Restored is a, it's a double message. It's double-edged sword. Um, one is we're talking about second chances. and You know, as a man of faith, I understand what <laughs> what God does when he restores a man. We look, look at Saul and how he turned to Paul. You look at how he converted Moses, how he converted David. You just go down the list. Yeah. <laughs> and you see the power of God is in his Damascus experience, his ability to transform the heart. Because his cadence throughout the whole Bible is the heart of man. That's all yeah. he cares about. He says, you look on the exterior, I look on the interior. He doesn't exactly. see us. Right? We're looking for the big chains, big cars, big money, big muscle. We're looking for all that stuff. Uh-huh. God can't do nothing with that. When we leave earth, that's all going to stay here. Exactly. We ain't taking that with us. That's why he said, I love a cheerful giver, because if you can't give cheerfully, and that doesn't mean financially, it means just give your abilities, your, your sure. talents, just you. Mm-hmm. He can't really do much with it, right? Um, and that's why he even say, like, look at King David. King David was the biggest jack up in today's society. He he knocked up another man's woman, killed that man's <laughs> woman. Think about it, right? Like, if we put it in today's society, we, we brag about King David. Well, that was the dude yeah. that went to go commit adultery, knocked up, knocked her up, then killed that man. What the? Hey, he killed the man. Yeah, he killed the man. But when God looked at him, he didn't look at those things. He said, this is a man after my own heart. Yeah. Right? Because his heart was right with God. Yeah. His actions may not have always been right for God. Yeah. So restored is like that double edged sword. Understanding that no matter how your life has transitioned, how, where you think you're at life, God is willing to meet you anywhere to change you. That's right. But he is not a forceful person. He, he's yeah. he's going to knock. You have to make a decision to let him in. That's the one thing that he gave us from day one, free will. So yep. that free will will come with a decision that we, as individuals, we have to make that decision. You understand? Yep. The second part of this message is I'm huge into prison reform. Uh, you know, this is something that's very dear to my heart. And one thing that I've acknowledged was dealing with the prison system because I teach business in the prison system and I've been involved in the prison system is when men and women are incarcerated, the, their biggest desire as a father, like me and you, we want to provide for our family. But guess what you can't do if you're incarcerated? You can't provide for your family. You can't provide. Can't create capital. You can't put food on the table. You can't put clothes on their back. You can't take them to school. You can't back. You can't do absolutely nothing. But your brain is sharp. Your, your, your wits are still there. Everything's there, but you can't use them. Then I started looking at, you know, when we talk about the news, we always talk about, oh, my God, these kids were victim to this, or this mother was victim to this, or these kids are failing. Well, I asked myself, what about those men and women that are incarcerated where 80% of people that are in prison right now were forced to take a plea? Think about that number. 80% was forced to take a plea. I mean, they never saw the day in court. That's a huge number. That's a huge number. Yeah. What happens to their kids? Nobody ever asks this question. Their kids are innocent. They, what happens to their kids? So they, are their kids automatically exed out from community because their parents are incarcerated? So the kids are incarcerated too, I'm assuming, right? So the kids are no good. Let's just throw them away. That's the mindset because we don't talk about it. Then I started doing some research on those kids. They're twice as likely to end up in prison. So recidivism right now is at 67%. That means those kids are at 140% chance of ending up in prison. That's a really bad number. They're twice as likely to end up in gang violence, twice as likely to commit suicide, twice as likely to, in, um, to get jumped, twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to get back raised, twice as likely to end up with depression, twice as likely to go psychochromatic, um, um, twice as likely to be worse than any other child on the block. And I said, wow, these, I don't like these stats. I, I really don't like these numbers because yeah. those kids, don't, they don't deserve that. They didn't do anything yeah. for this, right? Yeah. Again, the sense of the parents, right? Right. So this brand... Every time somebody invests, notice I didn't say buy or purchase. When you invest in our mission, we are partnered up with Broward College in Miami-Dade, where a portion of all the proceeds that goes into this brand goes into a scholarship program 
to help mm. those kids with a parent in prison to go to college for free. Okay. Our goal, we're not there yet, but we're striving to get there. Absolutely. We want to send kids that has a parent that's in prison to college. Okay. I I like nonprofit initiatives. I just don't like nonprofit models. I believe in creating a system that can sustain itself without begging for anything. Because I don't beg for nothing. I'm going to make it happen. I'm the yeah. no excuses speaker and I'm the transparent speaker. That's why I love you. You're sure. Because when they yeah. talk to me, there's no excuse you can give me that's going to tell me why you can't achieve your goals. Because if I show you my life story, what excuse can you possibly give me? Right. right. Then I'm like, I'm the transparency guy. So I'm going to be as transparent as possible to show you. Again, you have no excuse. So let's make it happen. Yeah. So I created this brand because I really want to help those kids. I don't want them to end up in the same situation. I want to give them a a chance of life that nobody else is going to give them. When I looked up for scholarship programs, I looked in government and I'm like, hey, is there anybody giving money out to these kids to help them? Zero. Nobody wants to help these kids. And it's systematic. We have something called a school to prison pipeline. That's a book. Go read it. Where by third grade, black and brown kids, after they take their standardized tests, they tell you who's going to go to prison and who's not. Think about that. Yeah. The first time you got your first suspension, they tell you who's going to go to prison and you're not. This only applies to black and brown kids. In the past 10 to 15 years in the United States, we built more prisons than universities. As a matter of fact, we're shutting down universities and we're building prisons. So what does that mean for the future of America? What are we planning for? If we're building more prisons than universities, yeah. right? So, wow. well, I want to change that narrative. Absolutely. I, I want to change that narrative. If I can reduce recidivism by 1%, I save you, you, American taxpayers, I save you $200 million. If I can reduce it by 5%, I save you. Because you're going to pay for it one way or another because you're paying for people to be in prison. They don't tell you that on your ballot, but you're paying for it. Yeah, I can save American taxpayers $1 billion by reducing the recidivism rate by 5%, whether it's an adult or a child. Think about that. One, what could we do as a society with one extra billion dollars in our local communities? This is why this brand is important. We want to send kids to college and educate them so they can have a brighter future. But if we can reduce those numbers, guess what? Every time you put money in my pocket to put in these kids' scholarship, you're putting money back in your own pocket because that's money that you don't have to pay for a kid tomorrow to be in prison. Amen. That's absolutely in. And that's uh, in your website? Yeah. Well, this is a different brand. This I'll send you the link. It's restoredapparelco.com. Okay. It has its own brand. It's its own um, brand. I'll, I'll send you the link. I'll, I'll put it okay. in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. No problem. And, and Dijon, so today, let's, let's talk about now the, the, the Dijon Talks today and what's in the future. Actually, talk to me what you said to me, who you spoke with today, and, and what's in the future. Well, hopefully the future looks good. We'll see. Only God knows, right? We'll walk by yeah. faith, not by sight. Um, because of a great friend of mine that's probably watching this live, Laura, um, I was able to speak with a member of the team of Grant Cardone. Um, and I'm going to be creating a short video um, later on today, and hopefully that gets up front of Grant, and who knows where that can go, um, along the same lines of the same project we're talking to. Uh, she also reached out to Damon John on my behalf, and he was very interested in seeing what I have to offer. Um, she reached wow. out to another young man. I, I, his name always skips me, but she could probably put it in the comment. But okay. huge multi-million dollar guy, um, big network. And I'm um, trying to see how we can collab there. In addition to that, um, we're working with a director in California, trying to see if we can turn my life into a series. Um, wow. Right right now, we're in the. Uh, I just created the pitch deck for that, and we're right now raising capital okay. um, for that. Um, we're trying to raise about $200,000 to create the first series so we can get Netflix to take a look at it. Wow. And if Netflix could take a look at it, I believe that can change a lot of people's lives. Absolutely. Um, I define my story as the pursuit of happiness on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> um, literally the pursuit of happiness. On yeah. That's a good way to put it, it. It's a little mix with um, what 50 cents is doing with the whole power series and all oh, that yeah. stuff. You know, so if Tyler Perry is watching you right now or 50 cents or any of those guys, Hey, please hit me and angel up. Yeah. Um, we got, we, we got some stories for you. We got, got it. For you. Amen. Um, yeah. So we're working on that. Um, I'm working on my investment portfolio. I just uh, invested in my first uh, real estate investment. I'm trying to flip that. Um, so I'm working on my mm-hmm. investment portfolio. I'm the proud of owner of Blue Light Consultant Services. So if you're in the audience right now and you you have a business Thank idea you. or a concept, uh, but you, you, you're lacking structure, um, okay. I can teach you the same thing that you're learning in Harvard or Yale. I can teach you business design thinking, uh, business model canvas. Um, I can teach you the structures of how to duplicate your process without duplicating your effort so you can get, maximize your money and not work as hard. 
Exactly. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm doing what I'm doing with right now. I'm speaking. And if you have a speaking opportunity for me and you think um, based on the story that you heard today, hey, I would like to have this guy come speak at a stage. Um, how do I reach out to him? Um, DejanTalks.com. Everything That's is easy. DejanTalks at Gmail. DejanTalks.com. I make everything very easy for everyone. Very easy. How do you follow on the social media? DejanTalks, DejanTalks. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't change. I kept it very uniform, very plain Jane. So it's easy to find me. Yeah. Um, and if you want me to come talk to your college students or your high school students or at-risk kids or or people in prison or people at your church that may, may lack a little faith, they hear about the Bible yeah. all the time, but they haven't seen the Bible. Exactly. Well, I'm a living, breathing, walking Bible. So if you want to see, right. if you want to read the pages of this Bible, I'd be more than happy to come to your church and let them read on. Um, and that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, and the, but the, my favorite job, Angel, is being a father. Oh, that's my God. favorite job. That. Yes. That's number one right there, Chad. That's yeah, it is. Uh, me too, man. I, I'm the same way. I mean, my daughter's nine years old and, you know, like you said, she, she wants a Tesla. I said, well, I can't buy the <laughs> Tesla right now. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to do a little bit of things. You know, I got a couple of businesses with my wife, you know, entrepreneurs from home yeah. and whatnot. And, and you know, I, I'm actually trying to get a hold of Damon John with Shark Tank because I have here a, a product that I'm going to have the link down with a friend of mine. Oh, that we then have, we're going to uh, get you on Shark Tank then, man. We got to get you there. I'll yeah, see you man. there. I'll be standing right next to you. You pitch and then I pitch. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. We pitch together. That's how absolutely. we're going to do it. We're going to tag team them. Yeah, People are going to remember this conversation. Didn't these guys say they were going to pitch? Yeah, they did. Uh-huh. And they did it by faith. That's right. By faith. Mm-hmm. Well, God knows the time when when, and when is going to happen. So, Amen. Uh, do you have, uh, other than the the series that you'll be working in the future, any books that you have? Yeah, I'm actually currently writing a book right now that's going to be out in May of 2022. It's called oh. The Path. It's a memoir. Um, it, it talks about that first quarter of my life, uh, that transitional thing. I think we're we're in an age of society where immigration reform and immigration is just a huge, huge subject right now, right? Yeah. Um, it's back in the forefront of every news media, right? When you look at what's going on in Texas with the Haitians, when you look at what's going on in the Middle East with the ban, when you look at what's going on in China um, and how it's impacting our economy, this is just a subject that we can't we can't evade, right? Right. And we we love to praise the concept of American and I'm proud. Well, that's amazing. You're American and proud. So am I. But America is nothing but a, a, a compile of a whole bunch of different immigrants. What is an, what is an American? A Polish person? Let's, I'm going to call them like I see them. An Italian person? Yeah. A Russian? Well, let's really call them for what they are because there's no such thing as an American without the immigrant. Right. Um, and I want to be able to highlight it in, in a real or aspect that's different and show the struggle is not just from my viewpoint, but the struggle is from their mother's and grandmother's viewpoint. Because I think a lot of the time they forgot what, how their parents got here um, yeah. on those boats. And I think that they forgot the opportunity that was presented to them now that they're no longer immigrants and they may be third or fourth generation Americans. But it took an immigrant for you to have the opportunity to make this vote today. Okay. Right. And I want that story to show them this is what it looks like through our eyes. You may have not experienced it in your lifetime, but I want to give a vivid description in my book of what that story really looks like to try to bring back, you know, to soften up some hearts. Because I think there's so much negative narratives, mass media, mass control, and so much bad. And and I understand why a lot of people think the way they do, because they're, they're being built on fear and lies. Mm-hmm. They're being built on fear and lies, and it's not their fault for thinking the way they do it because this is all they're consuming. So you can only withdraw from what you've deposited, right? Right. So um, hopefully, you know, if they pick up my book, I can deposit something different. Absolutely, man. I definitely want that book, but not only do you want the book, I want the autograph book. I got the you, man. You, you don't have to say much, man. I don't say care. Less. I have to drive to Miami. I will drive. I will take the three-hour drive. <laughs> say less, man. Say less. I know. I like Orlando. I have no problem going to Orlando, man. Say Absolutely, less. man. Well, man, listen, Dijon, man, I, I, I appreciate you, man. I, um, I got your information, your website. I, I know I'm going to throw it here because I know you have your Facebook. Uh, you have your Instagram. So I'm going to just uh, tag all this stuff on there because I want everyone to go ahead and, you know, look you up, follow you, follow your website. Because, like I said, it's not just your story. It's not what you're doing today, but it's what you're doing for the future. For Amen. many, many people who may not have the opportunity. And, man, when, when you... And then that's biblical, man. When you don't think about yourself, man, God blesses you Amen. Like, in so many ways. You know, that's one reason why I created this podcast. Like I told you at the beginning, I created it to, to give my, my guests the mic and the spotlight because I wanted to be about you, not so much about me. But at the same time, I do have my product and my business. So, you know, if I have the platform, I'm going to uh, showcase what I have, too, as well. So, Amen. You know, but 
Dejan, thank you so much, man. I, I know you, you've had a busy week. You have a busy schedule, man. I keep you definitely in my prayers, man. Thank you. I hope my, my audience and everyone contacts you if they need to follow you and whatnot. And uh, I'm really looking forward to a, a huge 2022 and maybe possibly have you again on the show. Listen, man, my doors is always open, man. Just go ahead and reach out and I'll do the best of my ability to make sure I cater to whatever need you may have. Absolutely. And if any way I can support what you're doing on the back end, whether it's product creation, testing, formulations, okay. just let me know and I'll help you to the best of my ability. Okay, man. Absolutely. Uh, so I got your contact and I'll definitely uh, be emailing you if anything like that. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time and your space. All right, man. God bless, man. Take care. Peace. Thank you, sir. Well, there you have it, guys. I told you guys, man, this is going to be a wonderful episode. Young Entrepreneur Mindset Podcast. Listen, man. The gentleman, look him up. Dijon talks. He has his website. He has a Gmail. Um, he has all his information. It's he's he's easy to be reached, you know. And I was messaging him earlier, and it's just great, man. It's just great to have him here on this uh, podcast. And hopefully, sometime in the future, um, I'll have him again. So, guys, thank you again. Please share, 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 man, because you need this. This story needs to be. Heard all around the world, like you say, he's gonna he's working on his book. He's gonna be working on on a series, you know, hopefully in Netflix and whatnot. And man, this gentleman has a great story, and, and God has blessed us to have him here today. So, guys, thank you again for joining uh, this podcast. I will definitely see you on the next um, podcast, and definitely looking forward to many good things uh, towards the end of this year and a lot more. 2022 so blessings to all you guys have a wonderful weekend happy friday be safe and i'll see you in the next episode god bless i'm gonna have all the businesses like i said uh dry mailbox here which uh damon john man i hope that's my that's my uh one of my goals man with my business partner uh dry mailbox as you can see right here dry mailbox you're gonna be seeing this product one day on the shark tank man shark tank we're gonna be coming for you all right. So also, uh, I have I do have here. Uh, let me go ahead and, and give you guys uh, some of the information. Uh, this is the website here for the dry mailbox. Uh, the insert for the mailbox keep your mail high and dry. And also, natural supplements. My wife and I we have our business from home, and there's the website there. If you're ever interested in any natural products, uh, we have. Go ahead and visit that website. And of course, before I leave you, I want to leave you with. Uh, a word, you know, God's word is powerful. It's a blessing. And I want to leave you with Proverbs 16, 20. And it says, pay attention to what you are taught and you will be successful. Trust in the Lord and you will be happy. That's simple. So there it is. There's the scripture, man. I hope you guys be safe. Have a good weekend. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Young Entrepreneur Mindset Podcast. Peace. Oh, 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 oh,